Hi, my name is Kanal, and welcome to the Geeks of the Valley podcast, which connects with some of the brightest minds globally who are leading their respective industries today to discuss the hottest upcoming industry trends and how their work is affecting the global economy. What started off as a coffee chat has now grown into a global platform for visionaries. This morning from Singapore, we have the co-founder and CEO of Tedoco joining us. Tedoco is a digital document management as a service platform that focuses on data privacy, document security, and provides customers across a range of sectors with trusted, verifiable, and connected documents. Please welcome Daphne Ng. Daphne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And how are things with you in light of COVID? Things have been moving pretty quickly. So in the technology space, you know, with the emergence of remote working and the increased use of digital tools like ours. So um, everything has been growing at a hyper growth speed as well. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, let's jump into the first question here, shall we? Yeah. So Daphne, tell me about yourself and your background and how led you to the path of starting the Dogo. Yeah, I'm currently the CEO and co-founder of Didoco. So we are a next generation digital document management as a service. Have been in the tech space for five years now and also co-founded my previous um, blockchain startup as well with current co-founder Ernie. Um, and in the beginning of 2020, we saw a gap in the market for a solution like ours. And we, we leapt at the chance that we could productize everything that we have learned about blockchain R&D and marketing and knowing exactly now how to have successful adoption by the mass market. And that was pretty much how Didoco was conceptualized and we established it in Singapore in March 2020. So what exactly is, is Didoco trying to solve? How would you compare to the Goliath such as DocuSign or eForm sign. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting that you asked. So you see that we don't have the word sign in our name, correct? <laughs> so Didoku actually stands for Decentralized Document Connector. We are like the connector for Web2 systems and documents to Web3, saying which we are the decentralized document workflow option for, I would say, crypto curious adopters, forward-looking companies, and just about anyone and everyone who want to have full control over their documents, you know, and anyone like you and me. So successfully doing it now with uh, mass market and enterprise adoption. So when you mentioned mass market and, and enterprise adoption, can you talk a bit more to, to this point? Yeah, so um, when enterprise of blockchain first entered the market, like uh, four or five years ago, there were a lot of consortium projects that were more or less more closed loop and selective in terms of being very vertical specific. So for example, if you're talking about an enterprise blockchain for supply chain finance, uh, enterprise blockchain for provenance, uh, for KYC, these were for very select group of large institutions no one was really tackling the space of 
you know, for the first time in terms of a document workflow application, being allowing every user for the first time to register and verify their documents on the blockchain. And in a way, without them being too concerned about not understanding the technology too much itself, but really appreciating the applications that come with it in terms of solving you know, pain points relating to trust and security. Yeah, so, so that in terms of the mass market adoption, that is super exciting for us. It's really about how we want to be an enabler for making enterprise blockchain mainstream and how we are already successfully doing that. And because we are dealing with agreements, contracts, documents of value, then inevitably a lot of our users are using it for their B2B purposes. Um, enterprises that are um, utilizing us for their various workflow requirements, whether is it for internal document workflows uh, or external workflows. Yeah. So, so it pretty much um, in terms of adoption, how we are able to you know, penetrate in terms of the daily transactions um, of everyone. And how did Doko being born out of a pandemic affect the business? Did you have to pivot or was it a blessing in disguise? Yeah, when we first uh, set up in March 2020, we were in Singapore at that time. So we went into an immediate lockdown. I remembered very clearly. So we were very much born at the cusp of the pandemic when the world went into an immediate lockdown. And you know, we took the mindset of why survive when you can thrive and soldiered on in terms of our go-to-market and product development efforts. So really disregarding or maybe not having the time to think too much about any disadvantage or inconvenience that could be perceived you know, via the pandemic. And we did thrive. And in fact, we are also a team that is pretty excellent in remote working and hiring and managing an increasingly global decentralized workforce. So I would say probably more inclined to be a blessing in disguise. <laughs> now, taking a step back, when anyone mentions uh, a blockchain, it seems to be tied to some sort of utility token or security token. Uh, the use case of the technology seems to be much more than just crypto and tokenomics. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, we are probably doing the less hyped, um, less sensational use case of creating document workflows on blockchain. Um, but we, we love it, right? Because agreements and contracts rule our world. It, I mean, it's not so much about saying, hey, you know, we are a blockchain solution, you know, and please buy us or please use us. I mean, so what, right? But, but it's more of, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing for you in terms of privacy protection, in terms of document security, because our technology that was built on blockchain enables these applications. And that being said, how would you define decentralization? What, what does it in your mind truly mean to be decentralized? Yeah, very simple. Um, it means it's like your personal internet. So you define how you want to control your documents and who you want to give access to, at, at least for our case. And when it comes to the verification and ensuring the immutability of important legal documents, how does the DOCO store these documents and ensure they're not tampered with? 
So we provide these on two levels. We provide our users, our enterprises uh, with an option for them to have full control of the documents where they keep you know, within their servers and their local, but yet we're able to provide an application for them to register these documents and verify them on the blockchain. So how we're able to do that um, in terms of our smart contracts um, governing this entire end-to-end -end process and ensuring the temper-proofness of this and hence a, the ability to issue trusted records via our platforms or API. So Daphne, since you started the Doco and onboarded clients, how many clients have you had you know, so far and has there been any issue with documentation being tampered with or, or security issues? Yeah, so we serve clients across a range of sectors and verticals at the moment, um, from governments to banks, FIs, to large enterprises from the real estate space, professional services space, um, and even an SME segment um, that, are, that is using our self-serve SaaS um, platform that is available on our website. So a lot of times, um, the adoption of our technology is on the premise in terms of how they find it interesting that they are able to use an easy-to-use application for their different workflow and signing requirements, for example. Um, and for example, this month, we are also launching our document video signing as a service where we it is a seamless all-in-one integration of a secure document workflow within a video session that you're able to record the signing process, you're able to witness and identify the parties involved, and you're able to capture the full evidence trail, the document, the audio, the visual, um, and to register it as a full evidence capture on the blockchain. So a lot of these applications really stem out of universal pain points that are not yet solved by existing solutions on the market. So for example, um, one of the applications that we have for legal agreements that go through many rounds of negotiations. So we are all very familiar, right? So let's say you and I, we go through a agreement that um, goes through many rounds of red line markups with our lawyers. And then when we come to the final version, you know, I will circulate to you to say that, hey, you know, um, this is the email version of the clean version and the marked up version, and I'm going to send to you for your sign off. Um, a lot of the solutions on the market is not able to provide an assurance of the document version, um, but we have a very easy to use application whereby if this document is issued over the Didoco platform, um, you as the recipient, you are able to verify the document on our verifier and um, it will show that it's verified and it assures you that the document version itself has not been tampered with and you can proceed on for to sign. So the main premise of this application is really to protect business interests. Um, and how are we able to do it in the most elegant way, leveraging off the blockchain technology. Some other um, applications that I really like also include like blockchain verifiable certificates, 
or um, documents or licenses, renewals or memberships, accreditations that you would want to issue and to certify that is true, but yet you want to do it in a way that provides everyone, um, users, to be able to have a self-serve platform to verify it themselves. So I give you an example. Let's say if um, I want to actually check the approval process of this um, approval memo, right? I want to know who checked this memo, um, who approved it, who signed off on it. And I want to know how this document changed hands or whether this license or blockchain issued certificate is true. So typically, if I did not have the doco, I would actually need to go to example, the document creator or one of the signing recipients to request for a download of the certificate so that I could actually have a look at the audit trail. But with Didoko, it's different because we take on a document-centric approach instead of a system-centric approach. Um, we are able to provide a blockchain verifier that allows anyone with a copy of this digital document um, to verify it via our self-serve platform. Um, it's called didocoverify.com at the moment. And you're able to immediately trace um, and view in real time the full audit trail of this document um, and how it changed hands. And with Didoco being a blockchain-heavy company, when looking at the future impact of blockchain across various industries, how do you see it having a long-term effect for Asia and its future economies of scale? Yes, so we are all about being future ready now and making sure and supporting our customers and partners um, to be future ready as well. So the world is already moving away as we speak from archaic legacy systems that typically want us to onboard silo platforms. So the future of technology, I believe, is all about decentralization. It's all about dApps that give users full control over their transactions, or in this case, their document transactions. And in terms of economies of scale, interoperability would definitely provide for these economies of scale that come with it. And what would be interesting is how technology companies, the big tech companies, startups like um, Didoco, we are able to provide an application layer that allows this interoperability or portability of um, these content and data so that we are able to reduce the friction that comes with you know, silo platforms and not being able to share our data or documents in a secure and yet private manner. So, so Daphne, as, as you built out the doco, how, how did you think about the team and, and how did you grow and scale as a company? Yep, so growing and scaling a team is definitely, um, you know, the job of um, every founder. Um, when we first started, you know, as I mentioned, we went into a lockdown. So we are very used to working remotely and working well with our team members um, across a few countries. Um, you know, we had um, engineering teams out of Singapore. We have project management teams out of Singapore. And then now, right now, we are about 40 staff strength and we have offices across a few countries and 
a few sales marketing kind of functions that we are looking at putting in country as well um, in terms of our go-to-market requirements. So, you know, managing a decentralized workforce also kind of, you know, is staying through the ethos of how we believe about decentralization. And it's already also a lot about how we, as founders, um, in terms of mindset, it's very important for this to set the culture for our team leaders and our different departments to embrace it and to walk the talk for it. And it definitely also helps with, you know, talent hiring, diversity of views, you know, and very specific perhaps in-country skill sets and connections that we need as we grow a global workforce. Um, recently, you know, I, I, I saw a, an email that was sent out by our um, Director of Growth and Partnerships. And, you know, in the last liner of his uh, email signature, you know, he, he wrote a sentence that says something like, I choose to work flexibly and send emails outside normal office hours. You know, please do not feel any pressure or obligation to respond outside of your own work schedule. So this is exactly, you know, the, the kind of culture that we want to set. It's not so much about, you know, clocking the usual nine to five or the nine to six and then showing your physical presence, but, but maybe your spirit and soul is not in the office. Um, it doesn't really matter where you work or when you work, um, but really how we are able to work very collaboratively as a team, being sensitive to different time zones, and uh, pretty much working around that productivity across, you know, um, colleagues in, in different countries. So I think um, that is the job of founders like myself, you know, to, to set that um, in terms of um, scaling an, an increasingly remote workforce and to also to work within the constraints of, you know, getting talents on demand um, for your different roles and functions. So Daphne, as a CEO and founder, the analogy I like to use is that you're always balancing three marbles on a plate. The first marble being your clients, the second being your investors, and your third being your employees or internal stakeholders in a sense. How do you go about balancing this within your life? So yeah, so how do I balance that in the most optimal manner? I guess it really helps to be very structured about it. So at least from my point of view. So number one, staying consistent to our vision, our goals and objectives, you know, when we are managing or working with these three stakeholder groups, you know, it's always about consistency. There's no, this is not about like, you know, the vision changes if you're speaking to an investor versus the vision changes when you're speaking to your employees. So number one, staying consistent. So nobody gets confused, you know, staying authentic and consistent, um, you know, in terms of the company's vision and direction. And then, you know, in the more practical sense, um, if you want to make sure they're able to manage it in the most optimal manner, you know, how we're able to make sure that every team member or at least the team leaders has alignment. And you may want to even appoint, you know, ambassadors, inverted commas, you know, for, for this, you know, somebody to walk the talk when we are talking about putting customers first, you know, having your department heads to emulate that behavior. So all these ambassadors um, are able to propagate, you know, the founder's vision, as well as the objectives and the culture that we want to set for the company. So I think that would be a very good way to execute that organization-wide, especially if the company gets bigger. And thirdly, very important is to continue 
continue upholding the standards ourselves, even as founders, walking the talk. Um, I, I manage every stakeholder group myself. I have skip level meetings with my employees. I used to have, you know, every weekly a 15-minute huddle session, Monday morning, you know, before they start the week. Um, I engage with my investors and my shareholders on a regular basis, very open dialogues, very transparent in terms of where we are uh, in our company's growth plans, um, in terms of our fundraising plans, and um, really upholding the standards so that you know you, you build and establish the trust. Um, and uh, it, it makes you know managing this um, very easy then for the founders and the management team. And Daphne, to wrap up our call with the last question for the day, what piece of advice would you give to people out there from the journey you've had so far in life? Yep. So one piece of advice um, I would give to anyone starting their startup journey is really, you know, you will meet a lot of well-meaning you know, advisors, shareholders, or, or people that really want to kind of give their opinion and their advice um, in terms of your company setup. So I would say that, you know, take everything with a pinch of salt. And at the end of the day, you know, you have to form your own conclusions as a founder um, because nobody knows everything. So for example, you know, um, you know I have a lot of um, opinions about, you know, you should say that you are more blockchain, you know, to certain investors, you should not have the word blockchain when you speak to your customers, uh, or in the deck, you, you should say this, you shouldn't say that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, we, we learned a lot from this process. And uh, pretty interesting in terms of how we needed to really formulate the answers ourselves, and really speak to the target audience. And it can only, you know, really, you know, come from staying original and rising above the noise. So, so when we first started um, the company and, and we termed it Didoko as well, uh, and then now everyone knows what it means through this podcast, that it means decentralized document connector. You know, we, we had a lot of uh, comments and curiosity as well. I mean, positive curiosity kind curiosity, you know, you know, they asked about, you know, does it mean, you know, DE, does it stand for Daphne, you know, and Ernie, E for Ernie, and, you know, how do we pronounce it? Is it Didoko or is it Dedoko? You know, for me, you know, it doesn't really matter how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, and we even had, like, um, someone who was interested to be an initial angel to say, yeah, you know, I, I would invest, but, you know, maybe you want to put a, a sign within your name so that people can remember. Then I told him, no, I, I would, we will never do that because it, it really defeats the purpose of what we really want to set out to do, where, which is you know, much bigger than, than just one signing application. We would not have started Didoko if it's just for signing. Um, so, so what's most um, interesting uh, recently, which is something that I talked about, is we started having like one or two, and then after that, several more customers and partners starting to use Didoko as a verb. So I first like received like one WhatsApp message, you know, early this, earlier this year to say, hey, Daphne, you know, you know th thanks for that. Can you Didoko it over to me? And then I thought like, you know, um, I didn't really think much of it. And then after that, subsequently, you know, through emails, through correspondences, and, you know, it was being picked up as a action, um, as the platform for them to transact and produce the outcome of having a completed transaction. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Daphne, for people out there who are interested in catching a cup of coffee with you, 
or potentially speaking to you about the doko, what would be the best point of contact? Yeah, I'm pretty much accessible on my emails, on my LinkedIn. Um, they can drop me a message or through any of my team members. So I travel for quite a bit. Um, if I'm in the city, if I'm in Singapore, happy to catch up for coffee with um, anyone who's interested to, to work with us, uh, uh, especially if you're in the Web3 space. And you know we, we are starting to see a lot of interest and working with a lot of Web3 partners, adjacent Web3 partners with very valuable and interesting technologies um, that are very synergistic to ours. So yeah, um, you know, happy to have the coffee session anytime, um, budding entrepreneurs uh, or anyone who wants to know more about you know, the blockchain space. Daphne, it was a pleasure having you on Geeks of the Valley and thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Pytone, an Asian-based open source enterprise software company. Pytone offers a suite of software applications and infrastructure services to scholars and universities.